0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Miss Jessica. Appreciate that. Miss Jessica works here, graduated from our college, and uh, we appreciate her service here. All right, take your Bible if you would and go with me to Psalm 85. Now, we looked at Psalm 85 a few weeks ago and uh, just talked about revival, and I I really feel like this is the direction we need to go tonight. So if you have your Bible, Um, If you'll go to Psalm 85, and then when you get there, if you'll put your finger in your Bible, and if you love your Bible and are glad you have a copy of the Word of God in your language, would you just hold that book up in the air right there? Aren't you glad you have a Bible? Amen. 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 In speaking about revival, there is a section I did not preach out of this particular chapter in Psalms. And we talked about revival, about what it was, and talked about where revival came from and what its purpose is. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? But there is a, there's a word in Psalm 85 that occurs three times that's really a very important word, maybe the key word in the passage when it comes to revival. If you look there in verse number 3, thou hast taken away all thy wrath, Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us again, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly." The word I want you to underline there is the word turn. In verse number 3, God is turning. In verse number 4, the request is that God turn his people. And then in verse number 8, the statement is, let not God's people turn again to folly. The word turn. I think that's an important concept when it comes to real revival. That revival is about God taking and turning the heart of his people back to him so that they might be able to rejoice. Now, I'm glad in verse number 3, the Bible says, Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. I'm glad that Jesus stepped in bore our penalty on Calvary so he could turn the wrath of God away from us and away from our sins. I'm glad I don't have to live underneath the condemnation of justice that rather now there is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm no longer condemned. So God turned his wrath. He's angry and rightly so. His people have taken and rejected him and made gods out of gold and put golden calves up. They have turned their back on the God of heaven for idols and and idolatry. And he's angry. But the Bible says in verse 3, thou hast turned thyself. So God turned. And then in verse number 4, look at what the Bible says. Turn us. The request is that God would turn his people From captivity, from sin, from judgment, certainly. But when he says turn us, he just continues through the passage. That's why he says revive us. Verse 7, show us. Verse 7 again, grant us. And what, what is being done is God's people, they are saying, the writer, the Holy Ghost is saying, now God, you turn from your wrath. Now turn us. Go in this direction. Now I want you to turn us. Cause us to turn. And I really believe that when you speak about real revival, that is the key, turning from the direction you were headed, instead turning to the direction that God wants you to go. Turning from carnality to spirituality. Turning from the world to turning to Jesus Christ. Turning from sin to righteousness. You can't have revival without a turn. It's the hinge that revival rests upon. Without it, I don't see it happening. Then the Bible says, look in verse number 8, I thought this very interesting. The Bible says in verse 8, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people. Aren't you glad of that? And to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Turn again to folly. You know, the Bible speaks about how that Israel in the book of Numbers spoke about returning to Egypt. You know, i, I just like to say tonight, There is nothing in the world worth returning back to the world for. There's nothing there. There's hollow promises. There's short-lived pleasure. There's a moment of enjoyment, but it always comes with a much heavier price tag and the scars that it puts on the mind and the heart. In fact, I would say this. If you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you absolutely know what's out in the world doesn't have any good taste to it whatsoever that there's a bitterness that always comes along with that. They talked about turning back to Egypt. The Bible speaks about in 2 Peter chapter 2 about a dog returning to his vomit. You know I think I used to feed on the vomit of this world and feed on filthy things of this world and and now now, now that I've been turned the right direction I don't want anything to do with that kind of stuff anymore. You know we talk about different things we don't like to eat and I've said enough about not liking to eat okra. I tell you what I'd rather not eat than okra and that would be vomit. But I've seen a dog do that. I've seen a dog go back to You know why a dog would do that? It has a taste for that. That dog, because of its nature, has a taste for something that you and I are repulsed from. And so he says, let not thy people turn again to folly. That word folly, I, I would challenge you, go home and look it up in the Bible. Run the references of what folly is. Folly is not just something that, you know, they're just being foolish or, you know, full of jesting. Folly is much deeper than that. Folly, when you find it in the Bible, is someone excusing what they do that is very vile because of the circumstances that they're in. For instance, in Genesis 34, Dinah goes out to see the daughters of the land. She wants to just see what they're like. One of Jacob's children. And when she's out there, there's a man that sees her. And because he says he loves her, he takes her and he defiles her. And he justifies it because he said he loved her. Well, I would say this. If you love somebody, you ought not to defile them. You ought to put a ring on their finger and commit until death do you part. But he justified that. The same thing is said about Amnon when he went into his sister Tamar. Because he loved her, he justified defiling her. And the Bible called that folly. It was something that was vile. It was something that was wicked. But it was something that someone made an excuse to be able to enter into. When we make an excuse to live in a life of sin, I say that's folly. When we make an excuse to say, well, the rest of the world does it, and if the world does it, then it must be all right. Listen, the world may think it's all right to smoke marijuana, and they may think it's all right to socially drink. You and I have a different set of standards that we live by. We live by what the Bible says is right and wrong, not by what is passed as the majority thinks is all right. It's folly. And so he's saying, let them not turn again to folly. Achan. Achan was told, Look, this treasure does not belong to you. You know, that was the first of ten battles they would fight. That's the tenth. That was supposed to go to the Lord, just like what we do when we tithe. Can somebody say amen right there? Amen. It belongs to the Lord. Yet Achan took it to himself, and you know why? He's out there fighting. He's in the battle. He sees this wedge of gold. He sees the silver. And he sees this Babylonian garment. And he takes it and he puts it underneath his tent where it produces no pleasure or value. It's just underneath his tent. And the Bible calls that folly. And because of that, Achan lost his life. His wife lost her life. His children lost their lives because it was something that he wanted. And he justified taking it when God says, you don't have any business to do that. Listen, I'm saying tonight, you and I should never justify turning back to a filthy, vile world. We ought to be turning back to God instead. So in the passage, God is turning. The people of God are turning. And then the statement is, oh, let them not turn again to folly. Don't go back that direction. I can't remember now all the words, but I remember the Victorious Valley Girls home singing, I don't want to go back to the world. There's nothing in the world for me. I'm looking straight ahead, not looking behind. Don't want to go back to what I used to be. There's nothing like the peace that Jesus gives. And all I would just say is we don't want to bend the other direction. So you can't just maintain then. You've got to grow that direction. Now, that word then, turn, is very closely tied to a word that some people are scared to death of as Baptists. And that's the word repentance. Repentance. People think, well, repentance, I don't even know if that's biblical. And there's all kind of people that have debate about whether or not repentance is biblical. And all I would tell you is that without question, the Bible teaches that repentance is not only biblical, but it's something that's necessary. The Bible says in Luke chapter 13 and verse number 3, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. The Bible says in Acts 17:30 that God hath commanded all men everywhere to Repent. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9 that God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And repentance is simply defined as a change of heart that causes a change of direction. If you would look at it with me, I, I believe there's a great picture of that in the book of Matthew. Go, if you would, to Matthew. I believe I want Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, Matthew 21, I'm sorry. Matthew 21. Here's the picture of repentance. This is what we're looking at in Psalm. That God turned, that his people turned, and then the request is, don't let us turn back again to folly. All right, so repenting. And that's involved in revival. Look what the Bible says, verse 28. But what think he, Matthew 21, 28. But what think ye? a certain man had two sons, and he came to the first, and he said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said... I will not. But afterward, he, can you say the word? Repented and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. So this man that has two sons goes and says, I want you to go work in my vineyard. And one says, I will go, but he doesn't. And the other one says, I will not go. I am not going that direction. I'm not going to work in your vineyard, Father. I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. But the Bible says that afterward, perhaps he thought on the goodness of his Father. You know, the Bible says the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Can I get an amen right there? It's not always the judgment of God, but the goodness of God. How good, listen, God, listen, God has been so good to us. Listen, we ought to willingly want to turn from our sin to him because of what he did for us on Calvary. Brother Merritt sat there in that men's uh, prayer meeting and he read about the blood of Jesus Christ and what he suffered because of us. I'm telling you tonight, Jesus Christ has been good to you and I. He has been such a blessing to you and I. He bore our sins. He didn't have to. He was the innocent for the guilty. And I say, praise the Lord for that. Amen. The Bible says the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. And here, maybe he thought about his father asking him and saying, no, maybe he thought about, well, you know, it's reasonable for me to do that. It's just reasonable. All I'm just saying is that the story is that this young man repented. And the Bible says repentance is required, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But it also is something that brings joy. You're there in Matthew 21. Go, if you would, to Luke chapter 15. I think repentance is very hard to do, to change direction. Um, Have you ever been traveling with somebody that doesn't know where they're going, but they refuse to change their direction? I think I'll slow that down just a little bit so it'll settle a little bit. Have you ever traveled with someone that does not know where they're going, but continues to go the same direction? I, I remember as a little boy, my dad... Worked for IBM, and he took us to New York, and we had a red and white LTD Ford. Now, for some of you, you you recognize that's a that's a police car. Big. I think he got it from Brother Bobby Grubbs, but it's red and white, and it has an Alabama license plate on the back of it, and it's somewhere around in the year 1970. I'm going to guess maybe 73, 74. Some of y'all would remember that time in our country. And we're, we're riding around in New York. And my dad and a man that worked with him named Vince Aquilla. they're up in the front seat. And I think my mother and I and my brother, we're in the back seat. And we're riding. And, and, and all of a sudden, we make a turn. And that turn, we, we end up not going where we thought. Now, this is back in the day. I know you young people won't understand this. There was a day, there was a thing called Rand Mcnally Maps. And and if you wanted to get somewhere, you had to take a map. Sometimes you could buy out of the state, you could buy it of the city, but you had to unfold the map and you looked on where the road went and all those kind of things. There was no punching in anything. Well, we're trying to follow a map and we end up in Harlem with a red and white LTD Ford with an Alabama license plate. And every turn we made, we went deeper into Harlem one-way streets. We'd never been there. I don't know where we were going, but I can tell you we weren't getting there very fast. And we kept making a turn and making a turn and making a turn. And, and I remember so vividly the, the man up front, Vince Aquila, he was, a, he was Italian, and he was scared to death. He was telling my dad, Wyman, don't you stop. Don't you stop. Well, that scared me. So, me and my brother were crying, and then you start seeing police cars. And I mean, it, it just, you know, the sun's going down and it's getting worse. You know, what we finally did, we had to stop and ask somebody, a policeman, how do we get out of here? And we got out. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that when it comes to our hearts, so many times, we already know the direction that we're going is not the right direction. Or maybe we know that where we're headed is going to come with a cost. I, I know, Pastor, that I, I need to be more in my Bible. I know I need to fellowship with God. But I have these other things that are really pressing right now. Or, or yes, Pastor, I know the Bible says this is wrong. And, and I shouldn't be listening or watching or involving myself in it. But I'm giving myself to We know that. You don't need a message on that particular thing because the Holy Ghost knocks on the heart of your, your heart's door and says, listen, you need to turn around. I'm, I'm glad that I have a spirit of God that speaks to me. You know, I'm, I have a conscience, but I also have the Holy Ghost that reproves me. And tell that You're going the wrong direction. If you've never experienced that, maybe you've never been born again. Because I'm telling you, if you're born again, the Holy Ghost is going to tell you that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. And then when you come to that point, it's a crossroads. I have to make a decision. Do I keep going this direction or do I turn? Do I keep moving the direction that I've been going and do I keep going farther the wrong way? Do I, do I keep heading like the prodigal son more and more down toward the hog pen? Or do I turn around and do I go back to the father's house? That's repentance. Do you understand that God repented in Genesis chapter 6? He said, it repented me that I have made man. God turned his heart on his own creation. The Bible says in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, in speaking of the church, he tells the church of Ephesus to repent, a church to repent. Sometimes we get in our mind that the only thing about repentance is salvation. I don't think so. Repentance is a change of heart that causes a change of direction, and that is the hinge of revival. If there's no turning, there's no revival. We have people in this auditorium that last year you turned to Jesus Christ as your Savior. You put aside what people would think about that. You put aside what it would cost you in reputation, what it would cost you in somebody thinking about you being saved. You know what you did? You said, I've come to a point. I am going to turn to the Lord. And I would just say this. Aren't you glad you turned that direction? We have people that turned away from their sin toward the Lord. We had young people that said, I'm going to be all in for God. I'm giving him my life. We had so many things going on where people were turning the right direction. And what that does, the devil will tell you, if you make that turn, you will regret turning that direction for the rest of your days. But just like most things, the devil's a liar. So if you look there in Luke chapter 15, just want you to read it because it is true. The Bible says in verse number 4, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Hey, hey are you listening? Hey, hey, repentance brings joy, not sorrow. Amen. Now, it might, it might take a little humbling. It might cause you to lose some reputation. It might cause you to give up some pleasure. But repentance is never going to bring sorrow. It's going to bring joy because God, God, when you turn the right direction, hey, when you turn the right direction, you get the fruits of turning the right direction. Everything hinges on the willingness to turn, to turn. It's just a hinge. So, can I ask you a question tonight? How many of you would think that somebody with a hard heart would have a hard time turning? If you have a hardened heart, and I did it as a young man, if you can do this and cross your arms, stiffen your neck, and say, you know what? I'm not turning. I like my my sin. I like my direction. There can't be repentance because the heart is not in the right condition. When you look at the ground that produced fruit, the ground that produced fruit wasn't stony ground. It was good ground. It was soil that had been broken up. It was something that was softened. And I can remember so vividly, my granddaddy saying these words when he would pray, he'd say, Lord... Keep us sweet in our spirit and pliable in our soul. In other words, Lord, keep my heart tender and make it easy for you to take and to turn me the direction you want me to turn. Help me, Lord, not to be settled and set in the direction I'm headed. Help me to be pliable. And that really is my invitation tonight. Brother Ken, if you'd come to organ. I don't think I want any music. All I just want to know is this. How many of you would say, God, help me to have that kind of a heart, a pliable heart, a tender heart? Because men are going to come and preach. But if my heart's not pliable and my heart's not tender, then it's not going to be able to receive what God wants me to receive. Oh, church, If revival wasn't something we needed, there would be no mention of it in the Bible. If repentance was something that was never needed, there would be no mention of it in the Bible. And and, and I fear that some of us have sat so long in the same place and have gotten so hardened and so cold and so determined that, hey, I'm going to move forward regardless. You know, I think you could begin that turn by just saying, God, God, I want my heart to be pliable. Lord, I want my heart to be tender toward what you have to say. I want my ears to be easy to listen. I want my will to be easy to be given to your will. That's going to be the key to real revival. Would you stand to your feet while many are at the altar praying? You can join them if you'd like. <clears throat> We still have people praying, we won't give them time to pray. I think it's the right thing to do. Not in a hurry, not trying to push God onto a certain schedule. The choir said, oh, I need Jesus. You need him too. Oh, a great song. America needs Jesus. Greenville needs Jesus tabernacle needs Jesus. Mm. All right. Well, I'm just curious. If you have ever turned to God with all your heart, some point in your life, I'm not talking about salvation, I'm talking about, you said, you know what, God, you got everything that I have. If you've ever done that, and you're really happy about that, over here on this side, would anybody say amen? Anybody over here happy about that? Amen. Okay, so got some. How about here in the middle? Anybody here happy about that? Amen, amen. amen. How about over here? Anybody happy about that? Amen. I'm sorry, I don't mean to leave out the back. Anybody up there happy about that? I, I figured Brother Proctor's hand would be going up, yep. The devil will lie to you. He'll tell you, you ever make that turn, you'll regret it. He's a liar. You turn toward the Lord, you'll never regret that. You'll never regret that. All right, Dustin, Sarah, why not you all come this way if you would? And uh, and I want to remind you, if you would, I know these these cards for our children's home, please pick them up and pray for our home. But come by and let Sarah and Dustin know that you're glad that they decided to be part of Tabernacle Baptist Church. Now, listen, we don't have to have people move from New York to be happy that they come, right? Amen. Right, we have a gentleman here tonight, Rob, are you back there? There's a gentleman right there that moved from Rhode Island, and uh, his pastor told him, "Hey, you ought to go to Tabernacle Baptist Church." and uh, told him about Dr. Seitler, we don't have Dr. Seitler here, but we do have what what he built through the Bible, and uh, Rob, we're glad that you came from Rhode Island. And uh, he's moved in the area, so maybe you'd be kind to him. So, all right. Well, let's get by and let these folks know. We're glad that they're part of Tabernacle. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for your blessings. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be pliable in our spirit, sweeten our soul. Lord, we'd be able to be directed by your voice, that easy voice. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Dismissed. All right, and as you fellowship and as you let